Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We are so honored that you took the time to listen to this message. It's the fifth in our series. There's more to the story. We think this message is going to speak to you and inspire you. So whatever you're doing, wherever you are, enjoy. This morning, 1 Samuel 24, it says this. It says, he came to the sheep's pen along the way. A cave was there and Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. The title of our message this morning is Quieting the Crowd. Touch the person next to you. And say, I don't want you to be that quiet. (laughs) Quieting the crowd. Uh, My wife is currently pregnant. Come on, somebody. We got like three weeks left. Some of you guys are like, when is that thing coming? She's been talking about it for a long time. We got about three weeks left. And, And every single week of pregnancy, I seem to learn something new. And I learned a new term this week. It's called nesting. You guys have heard this term before? News to me. I just learned it, and I guess the, the idea is that before, like, the babies come, you got to nest. And so um, <laughs> she's nesting this week, and, and one thing that she did is she got our furnaces and our vents cleaned. So the air is nice and clean. Now, I need to just preface with this. I have something I got to tell you guys, and you can tell me if you guys are like this, but I have trust issues. I have trust, especially when it comes to, like, fixing stuff in the house or when it comes to cars, mechanics. I got trust issues mostly because I don't know anything about anything. And so like, I'm always thinking someone's trying to rip us off. And so, and so Christy, she got these, these vent guys this week and they came into our house and literally within like five minutes, the main guy, he came uh, and he, he pulled me over. I was in my basement uh, and he's just like, hey, I need you to come look at this vent. And uh, he just went on to explain how our vents were poorly built. And a lot of times, like with these newer homes, like they don't put as much effort into them. And so what he said, he was like, you have some fiberglass that uh, is, it's, it's, it's exposed in this vent. And uh, you probably want to close up the fiberglass. And like, I don't have a clue what he's talking about. But then he said something. He's like, yeah, he's like, you don't want to breathe that in. And he's like, you especially don't want your two new, your two babies to breathe that stuff in. And so, like... I don't know if he's ripping me off. But when he brings the twins into it, I got no choice but to say yes. Like, I'm not going to look like a terrible father before they're even here. And so I'm like, yeah, sure, just just do it. I don't know if you're ripping me off. I don't know if this is a huge mistake. But whatever, just just fix it. And so he fixed it, and I went upstairs, and I I started making my eggs for breakfast. And then the guy came upstairs, and uh, he saw on our counter we had this book called Simply Jesus. And he looked over at the book and he said, hey, he said, that looks like a really good book. And I was like, yeah, it's a pretty good book. I was like, are you a Christian? He's like, of course I am. And uh, he just, we proceeded to talk and uh, as if like I should have known he was a Christian. (laughs) And we proceeded to talk and he just, he started telling me about the church that he went to. I told him about our church and we got into this conversation and he was just talking about how important he believes it is for, for, for churches to just be in the community. He gave advice about raising kids and Talking to this guy for like five minutes, I was like, man, this dude is a Christian. He's a man of God. 
And so suddenly I felt better about my decision. Because I, and if that didn't confirm it, get this. He was like, hey, does your church believe in tithing and giving? I was like, yeah, we do. I was like, we're in the month of giving. He's like, hey, whatever we charge you today, he's like, I'm going to take 10% and give it to your church. And I was like, come on, let's clap our hands for that. Now, it's twofold. I got, I got a point for that story. But number one, here's the thing. If you call this place home and you've never given to this place and some dude that has never been to this place has given to this place, we, we need to give as well. We want to give because God has given so much to us. And uh, with that being said, we also got new merch. I know Greg mentioned it, but all proceeds go to the Santa Barbara Food Bank because the only reason we want you to be generous is because we want to be generous, right? And so um, back to the story. That's a side note about giving. Love you all. But this guy, after, after he proved himself in this way, I just, I began to trust him, right? Because he had built equity with me. And so because I knew who he was, I was able to listen to his voice and I just trusted he wasn't ripping me off. Now, I might talk to you guys after and you can be like, no, he ripped you off. Um, he's got to answer to the Lord if he ripped me off. But uh, I realized something in life, I don't know if you guys feel like this, but we are surrounded by more voices than ever. And, and it's extremely hard to distinguish what to listen to. Do you guys feel like this? Like there's voices every single day and, and it's just more noise, more noise. We have social media, we have the news, some of us have friends. And the question I want to ask this morning is how can we distinguish the voices in our lives? In other words, how do we know who we listen to? Because one thing that I've realized is that the voices that we listen to will greatly impact our lives. And so the title of our message is Quieting the Crowd. And the question I want to answer this morning is how can we begin to distinguish which voices we listen to in our lives? So as we, as we get started, I've got to quickly go back to last week. Anyone with us last week? If you're with us last week, thank you so much for coming back, even though the sound completely just went out. You guys are like, what kind of a church is this? But uh, we love you guys. And so last week, we're going to pick, off, pick up where we left off. If you're with us last week, what happened was that David is on the run from a man named Saul. Saul is the king of Israel, and David is someone that we know by now is destined to be the next king of Israel. And so last week what happened was that Saul was chasing David, and David ended up in a cave. Anyone remember this? And what happened in that cave was that David was able to praise God regardless of his circumstance. And what we said last week was that sometimes crisis actually builds character. And so where we left David last week, he was in the cave and he was praising God. And these men, these, these disheartened men, these discontent men came and they were with David. And we said, sometimes your pain has a purpose. And sometimes God's going to bring people to you in the midst of your hardest times, your hardest seasons. And that's where we left off. David is praising God. Where we pick up this week, King Saul is still in the same mood. He's crazy. And the Bible lets us know that Saul is getting more and more jealous of David and just more and more paranoid to the point where he says, I must kill David. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. I must kill David. And when we pick up our story, Saul has been chasing David all around. But the beauty of the Bible, the Bible tells us that no matter what Saul did, he could not find David. Come on, somebody. We said last week what God has called, man can't stop, right? And so David is, is running from Saul, but Saul is not going to give up that easily. And so where we pick up this morning is in 1 Samuel 24. And Saul has just finished this battle with the Philistines. And after that battle is finished, he's like, I got to get back to David. And so the Bible says this in 1 Samuel 24, verse 1. It said, after Saul 
returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told that David is in the desert of Engedi. So Saul took 3,000 able young men from all of Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. Now here's what I want us to see. Saul has got word that David is in this place. And Saul knows that David has a few men. But he knows at most he doesn't have that many. Yet Saul, at the height of his hysteria, is like, I need 3,000 people to come and take out David. When the Bible says 3,000 young, able men, this means like the elite of the elite. Saul's bringing in like the the FBI, the CIA, the special forces. Because he's like, I got to kill David. And the height of his delusion is Saul is willing to leave his own kingdom unattended in order to go and chase David. 3,000 men just to kill David. And so what happens, it says this. It says in verse 3, it says, He, speaking of Saul, came to the sheep's pen along the way. A cave was there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave. And so here's the picture of what's happening. I'm going to paint it. David and his men are hiding in this cave. And Saul and his men are looking for David. They don't know where he is. They know that they're close. And so Saul sees a cave, and the Bible says Saul had to go relieve himself. Now, when the Bible says relieve himself, what it means is that Saul went to relieve himself. Now, we don't need to go into a great theological discussion of whether it was number one or number two. But I'll give you a hint. Saul's a man, and if he, could, if he, if he had to, he could go in a bush. He's in the cave, that kind of lets you know what's up. Everyone following? What Saul doesn't realize is that in this moment, he has now left himself extremely vulnerable to David and his men because they are in the back of the cave. And they're there and they see Saul, vulnerable as ever. And it says this, the men said to David, this is the day that the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. So David's men see this situation and they're like, oh my gosh, David, God has brought Saul to us. This is the day, kill him. And this makes sense because Saul has brought 3,000 men to do exactly that to David. And so when this moment comes, the people are like, hey, David, this is it. God has brought you to us, kill him. But there's something very interesting about what the men say. The men say this. They say, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Now, I went back and I read 1 Samuel again. I've been reading it for this series. But nowhere could I find where God made a promise to David where he told David, I'm going to bring someone to you and you can do whatever you want. David has told, God has told David many times that you are the anointed king. There's a plan and a purpose, but, and, and even, even things as I will deliver your, the enemies into your hands. But in every single situation I read of David up until this point, he had always gone to God for guidance. There had never been a point where it's like, I'm going to just do what I feel like. And so listen to this. Here's where we're going this morning. The crowd is in David's ear. There's a crowd. There's, there's noise. And they're saying, David, this is it. it's not going to get any easier than this. Kill him. Friends, in life, as we began, I said we were surrounded by different noises every single day, different voices. And what I believe to be true is that the voices that you listen to can actually determine your destiny. 
And so if you're listening to the wrong voices, you can end up doing the wrong things. And so here's the first point I want to say. How do we quiet the crowd? Number one is we need to begin to filter the noise. We need to filter the noise. If you're note-taking people, write that one down. Filter the noise. You see, what this means is that in life, if we're surrounded by voices, we're surrounded like never before, what that means is we cannot listen to everything that we hear. We need a process for how we filter what we hear. Otherwise, you'll end up listening to the wrong voices. It's like this. The strangest thing happened a few weeks ago. My dad's car broke down on the Anthony Henday, and he did the weirdest thing in the entire world. He called me. <laughs> now listen. Hold on. It gets better. He didn't ask me for a ride. He started asking me for advice. He's like, what do you think's wrong with the car? And as I'm sitting there on the phone, I'm like, does, this, does he not realize that, like, I'm the person whose car's engine blew up because I didn't know what low oil meant? Like, that was me. And even more so, like, you raised me. You don't know anything, and therefore, I don't know anything. Um, why are you calling me? But it is so funny because I was thinking of this story, and thankfully, I didn't have any advice to give them. But I wonder how many of us are going to the wrong things for advice? How many of us are listening to the wrong voices? You see, the voices we listen to will inevitably end up determining the course of our lives. If I gave my dad advice, that car may have blown up. It is funny because I said that we live in a world where there's just more noise than ever. And I think one of the things, and this is this last week, I'm sure you guys saw there was an election last week, right? I don't know about y'all, but social media was loud this week. And for a lot of us, I know this. Whatever we listen to, whatever we behold, we inevitably become. And so the more you hear things, the more we become like them. And for a lot of us, and I'm not sure if you guys are like this, but I don't know. I just saw what was happening after this election, and I just saw division. I saw people debating each other. I saw people cursing each other out, like, hashtag, Alberta, we gone. Or we exit, whatever it was. And you can believe whatever you want to believe, but I think what happens is that when I, when I look at all these voices, we, we live in this society where people are more divisive than ever. And so we ask this question, well, how do, how do I know what to listen to? I think for a lot of us, and if we're just being honest, the things that we listen to the most are inevitably what we end up following. And I think we have a generation of people that are getting the morality from Twitter. They're getting sex advice from Cosmo. Come on, they're getting, you see... We need to begin to filter the noise. And so David, in this moment, he's in the cave with his people, and they're whispering in his ear. It's a crowd. David, just do it. This is the moment. But here's something we need to understand about the people that were speaking to David. We need to go back to a verse we read last week. It's 1 Samuel 22, and it lets us know exactly who these people were. In 1 Samuel 22, it says this in verse, one, in verse 2. It says, all of those who are in distress or in debt or discontented gather around him, and he became the commander. About 400 men were with him. And now here's the beauty of the Bible. The Bible can give us many different things. Last week, this verse gave us encouragement, right? We said that in our, in our times, in our hard times, that we can actually attract other people, right? And people are attracted to our weaknesses. And that's amazing because David is no longer alone. But we also need to realize who these people were that were with David. I'm going to be honest. 
it takes a special kind of weirdo, <laughs> so hold on, to leave your house and go and live with someone in the cave. Like, you got to be super, super down and discontented. And the way I think, the way I realize it, the way I read it, is these are people that were not happy with the kingdom under Saul. Almost like rebels in a sense, right? Like, oh, we're, gonna, we're so mad, I'm going to go live in a cave. And so here's the thing. This is amazing comfort and encouragement from David. And these people are for David. We're talking about how do we filter the noise in our life. I need us to understand something. This is so important. Write this one down. Just because someone is for you doesn't mean their advice is good for you. This is going to help someone out this morning. Just because someone is for you does not mean their advice is good for you. I'm going to say something. This might hurt some people. Your best friend, they may love you. They may be ride or die, but sometimes they got bad advice. I think a lot of us, and this is, how do we filter the noise? We need to realize not everyone who is for us has good advice for us. It may sound good. This sounded good, right? These people are coming to kill David. 3,000 men. It sounded good. I've realized something. A lot of the things that I see, it sounds good. But when I really get into it, I'm like, wait a second. That's not true. Your friends, whoever it is, coworkers, they may have advice for you, and they may be for you. They may be ride or die, but not everyone who is for you has good advice for you. And so we need to begin to learn how to filter the noise. And so David, look at, listen to this. For a moment, the Bible tells us that David goes, and he listens to these voices. And it says that he crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And this is really weird. And I began to imagine this moment as David's men are watching David creep towards Saul. Because as they're creeping to, as, as David is creeping towards Saul, I can imagine the men. They're like, yes, yes, this is the moment. He's going to do it. David's a mighty warrior. You guys remember that? Like David cut off Goliath's head. Come on, somebody. The Bible's not boring. We said you're boring. David is, and so as David is creeping towards Saul and his men are like, this is the moment we've been waiting for. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. But David stops short. He pulls out his knife and he cuts off a corner of Saul's robe. This reminded me when I was in grade five, the one time I almost punched someone in the face. It was recess time and I was being a hero. And so I went up to this big guy and I was going to punch him square in the face. And I lined up and like halfway before I got there, my fist, it opened up. And I slapped him in the face. I stopped short. Come on, anyone stopped short before? This is what David, David stops short. David stops short. And, but look, here's a part I want us to see. <laughs> That's a story for another sermon. I tell that story to kids, actually, because there's a whole other lesson in there. But um, David stopped short. And in verse 5, it says, Afterward, David was conscience-stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. David felt bad. I was like, hold on, he stopped short. He didn't do it, but he felt bad. Why did David feel bad? Because David had listened to the crowd instead of listening to God. He had listened to the crowd instead of listening to God. You see what David realized, and here's a truth. We said, everyone who is for you doesn't mean their advice is good for you. Here's the thing. Oftentimes, the crowd's voice is going to be different than God's voice. 
what God says is going to be different than what the crowd says. And so David was conscience-stricken. Now, we know from this series there's always more to the story. And the Bible tells us that when David was in this cave, David penned Psalm 57. And in Psalm 57, David says this. I want us to read this. It's so good. In verse 2, he says, I cry out to God most high, to God who will fulfill his purpose for me. I cry out to God most high, to God who will fulfill his purpose for me. You see what David is saying in this psalm, he's saying, I don't need to go chasing. God is the one who's going to fulfill his purpose for me. You see, the people said, David, God, or David they, he has been brought into your hands to do as you wish. That's what the crowd said, but David knows what God says. And what God said is that you will fulfill your purpose for me. In other words, I don't need to take it into my own hands. If you have the throne for me, you're going to bring me there. Listen to this, church. If God has called you to something, he's going to bring you to it. And God is not going to call us to do something that violates our conscience. You see, the question we're asking is, how do we filter the noise? How, how can we quiet the crowd? If we want to filter the noise, we need to first find God. We need to find God. We need to find out what God has to say. And now here's what I believe to be true about Psalm 57. I don't think David wrote Psalm 57 after this situation. I think David read it wrote it before this situation. I think he wrote those words, I cry out to God most high who will fulfill his purpose for me. And so I believe what happened is David was creeping towards Saul to just to do what the crowd told him to do. I believe that those words echoed in David's mind. He was about to do it, but then he realized, I cry out to God who will fulfill his purpose for me. And something clicked. He said, this isn't the words of God. This is the words of men. This isn't what God's called me to do. And he cuts off a corner of his robe. And when he cuts off a corner of his robe, the Bible says that he felt guilty even for doing that because he had listened to their voices instead of listening to God's voice. Friends, if we want to begin to filter the noise, we need to find God in each and every circumstance. Look what happens next. It says, David was so conscience-stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed. Look what he calls him. This is the same guy that's trying to kill David. David says, the Lord forbid that I say anything about the Lord's anointed or lay my hands on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. If God has put him there, I need to honor him. That's what David's saying. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went on his way. I can imagine the crowd. David, what are you doing? You're letting him go. He's going to kill you. He's going to kill us. David says, the Lord forbid that I touch the Lord's anointed. Listen to this, friends. I want to tell us something about leaders. You see, followers listen to what the crowd says. Leaders want to know what God has to say. You want to be a leader? Ask what is God saying about this situation. I don't care what Twitter's saying. I don't care how you voted. We have to say what God says, and God says honor. God says honor those who are in positions of authority. And so David says, I'm going to honor him. The Lord forbid that I even touch him. But look, this is the verse I want us to see. He says, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or to lay a hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. This is so interesting. 
I've said many times in this series that David is a man after God's own heart. And what we said is that David is actually pointing us to Jesus. He's a picture of Jesus. There's something so interesting about what David is saying here. David is saying, the Lord forbid that I even touch him. You see, I need us to understand something here. Because there was a law that the people of Israel were under, the law of God. And the law of God says, thou shalt not kill. Nowhere does it say, thou shalt not touch. Thou shalt not cut off the corner of a robe. You see, by the letter of the law, David had done nothing wrong. But you see, David here is pointing us towards Jesus. And he's teaching us a lesson for Christians thousands of years before there ever was Christians. You see, as Christians, we are no longer under the law. We're under the grace of Jesus. Now, for some people, this can be difficult. Because it's like, well, that means I can live however I want. No. Because there's a letter of the law, but then there's the spirit of the law. And so David, years before Jesus ever explained this, David understood the spirit of the law. And the spirit of the law was that I should honor everyone, honor every life. It's not about killing. I shouldn't even touch him. Listen to this. You want to find God. This is what I've realized about God every single time. God calls us to go above and beyond. Come on, somebody. God calls us to go above and beyond. You want to follow the letter of the law? You do you. But Christians, we follow the spirit of the law. And the spirit of the law says to go above and beyond. I love, I love how Jesus puts it in Matthew chapter 5. He says this. He says, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other. Go above and beyond. Jesus says in the same breath, he says, you have heard it said, do not commit adultery. Ten commandments. But I say, if you even look upon someone with lust, you have committed adultery in your heart. Let's get back to the spirit of the law, because the spirit of the law calls us to go above and beyond. David had done nothing wrong, but he understood to go above and beyond. That's what we do as Christians. How do we filter the noise? We go above and beyond. If you hear something from the world, guess what? Jesus says go above and beyond. I'll illustrate it like this. I was playing hockey this week um, on Monday, and I play beer league, and so it's super important. And in our game, uh, it was 6-5 with two minutes left. And uh, I had the puck. And uh, there was this older defenseman on their team. And uh, I just had top speed. It's 6-5, two minutes left. You guys understand this? Everyone got the situation? And so he's standing there, and I'm coming top speed. And I'm like, man, he's standing inside. I'm going to blow right by him, and I'm going to be good. And so I came in, I got the puck, and I cut around him. And it was just me and the goalie because I split both defensemen. Let's go. Come on, somebody. You thought your pastor could just preach? These hands do something else. Let's go. But I cut around him, and I'm thinking in my head, like, I'm going to score. I'm going to tie this game up. All the glory for no one who's watching. Because no one comes to our games. But what happens, as soon as I step around them, I feel a stick on my, sh my arm from the one defenseman. And I feel another stick on my chest from the other defenseman, and they both gave me a slash. And the puck, as soon as they did that, trickled off to the corner. And I'm thinking to myself, well, this is all good, because at the very least, I'm getting a penalty shot, or at least a penalty for our team. I took one for the team. And I look over at the ref, and his arms are down. 
I look over at the other ref and his arms are down. And, I, and I'm, rightfully, I'm rightfully cheesed. And so what happens, the play goes back the other way and in the next 20 seconds, they score. And that pretty much ices the game. And so me, I'm justifiably angry. And so the guy that scored, I went by him. Y'all, do you guys pray for me ever? Is any, I need prayer. I smacked the stick out of his hand. <laughs> I'm like an eye for an eye, baby. And so I got a penalty. <laughs> Two minutes, uh, unsportsmanlike conduct. <clears throat> now, as I was in the box, it's funny, the Lord speaks to me in the weirdest places. As I was in the penalty box, um, I just began to feel in my spirit this voice saying, like, you need to go and apologize. I never apologize in hockey. No one really does. Now, what happens is after I serve my penalty, by the letter of the law and the rules, I've done my time. I don't owe anyone anything. But you see, Jesus, he calls us to go above and beyond. And so what I had to do, I had to swallow my pride, and I went over to this guy after the game, and I said, hey, I'm so sorry for doing that. I said, that was really stupid of me. And he had a huge smile on his face. He said, no worries, man. And that was that. But you see, as Christians, God calls us to go above and beyond. We can toe the line and say, what am I allowed to do? What, what can I? But there's the spirit of the law. David realized the spirit of it. He said, I should not even have touched him. I should not even have touched the Lord's anointed. I want to take this two ways, friends. We're kind of pivoting here a little bit. The title of our message is Quieting the Crowd. Here's the other way I want to take it. I've realized something about us as Christians and us as church. I think right now the crowd's kind of loud. I think people say things about Christians, that Christians are this and Christians are that. But I believe something in my spirit that we can learn from this story. If we as people can learn to go above and beyond we can begin to quiet the crowd. Come on, you guys heard everyone talking bad about Christians before? Ever? Let's quiet the crowd. How do we do it? It's simple. We become unapologetically for people. Above and beyond, we become for people. We are for St. Albert. Our vision is for the one. Look at this. David was unapologetically for Saul, regardless of how Saul treated him. I believe this to be true, friends. We can make a difference and we can make a dent in St. Albert, a place that desperately needs Jesus, if we can begin to be four people. If we said, I don't care your background, I don't care your history, I don't care your political views, I don't care your sexual views, I don't care what you come from, I'm for you. We'll make a difference. And we'll show Jesus. David was for Saul. Now listen to this. I, I didn't even mention this. But on his pursuit of David, Saul had slaughtered people. Anyone that he believed was helping David. And in fact, right before this, Saul had just slaughtered a group of priests. Men of God. Because he thought they were for David. Now listen to this. Because some of us are thinking, well, I can be for people to a point. It doesn't work like that. We are for people no matter what. 
But Harrison, no matter what, we're for people. Now, here's the thing. Just because you are for someone doesn't mean you agree with everything that they do. Just because you are for someone does not mean that you're giving them permission to do something. But what it means is that God is the one who runs my life. And because he runs my life, I don't get to decide who I'm for. I'm for them. Now listen to this. Some of you are saying, Harrison, I know some bad people. And if I was for them, if I loved on them, they just, they need justice. Look what David writes in Psalm 57. He says, I cry out to God most high, to the God who will fill his purpose for me. He will send help from heaven to rescue me, disgracing those who hound me. He will send help from heaven, disgracing those who hound me. Look at this. We say, well, Harrison, if we're four people, how will they ever learn? Guess what? Vengeance belongs to the Lord. That's not our job. If God is just, God will take care of whatever he needs to take care of. Our job is just to love people. Our job is just to be for people. I don't know where the band is, if they're in here, if they can come up. Our job is to be unapologetically for people. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. Our job is to bring the message of love and hope and healing in the name of Jesus. Look at this. I love First Peter. He says this. If you guys were here a few weeks ago and you saw me preach, my jacket had this verse on it. You guys may remember, may not. First Peter 3 says, Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with the blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Peter writes this to a group of persecuted Christians, a group of people being literally killed for their faith. And he says, hey, do not repay evil with evil. Instead, repay evil with kindness. Because, listen to this, you will inherit a blessing. Friends, when we're four people, you will be blessed. It's not just them who are blessed. You will be blessed. How do we filter the noise? We find God and we go above and beyond. You have heard it say, but Jesus says, go above and beyond. And so if the story ended there with David reprimanding his men, we could still say David is a man after God's own heart. But I think the reason that David is famous to this day is because David goes above and above and above and above and above. And so David could have left it there. But what happens next, David does something that would have shocked his men watching. David says, we're not going to touch him. He is the Lord's anointed. And they probably thought they're going to go back into hiding. But instead of hiding, David does something much different. David stands up and he begins to walk out of the cave. And I can imagine the group of people watching saying, David, what are you doing? He's going to kill you. But David comes out of the cave and he yells out to Saul. And he says, Saul, and he bows low before him in a sign of honor. Look what he says. He says, see my father. Who? It's my father. Look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe but did not kill you. See that there is nothing in my hand to indicate that I'm guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. May the Lord judge between you and me and may the Lord avenge the wrongs that you have done to me, but my hands will not touch you. It doesn't matter what you do to me, I will not touch you. As the old saying goes, as Peter's gonna reword one day, from evildoers comes evil deeds. So my hand will not touch you. 
I'm going to read the next verse in a second. I'm going to try not to cry. I cried every single time I read it this week. Because David is saying, Saul, I've done, I don't know what you heard about me. I don't know, I don't know what you think, but I'm not going to do a thing to you. I'm not going to touch you. I'm going to give you a blessing. He said, I'm going I'm to serve you. Look what, look what Saul says. Y'all can cry if you want. We don't got tissues. When David finished saying this, Saul asked, is that your voice, David, my son? And he wept aloud. Saul just breaks down and he starts weeping. This is the same man that slaughtered priests. And he said, you have treated me well, but I have treated you badly. You see, when David went above and beyond, when David responded with kindness, his kindness actually led to repentance. His kindness changed Saul's heart. Listen to this. It's, it's easy to say, hey, when we're four people, we can change hearts. But the reason this touched me so much this week was because there's more to the story. You see, I believe this to be true. When we treat people with grace, you will see change. You will see change break. But listen to this. In this moment, there's something more to this. I realized something, and I hope you guys see it too. In this story, I'm not David. I'm Saul. And Jesus is David. And what I've realized in my life is that every single time I've done something where I feel like, God, you can't use me anymore. God, this has to be it. It's over. Every single time Jesus comes out and he meets me there and he says, my son, I'm for you. I weep aloud. Come on, somebody. Let's stand up for a second, church. This is the gospel. While we were in our sins, Christ died for us. While we were in rebellion, Jesus came out and he said, I'm for you. Kindness changes hearts. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. You've heard the gospel this morning. And so we want to give you the opportunity to respond to the love of Jesus goodness of Jesus. This morning you may have felt like you were in a cave, but right now you can come out of the cave and Jesus is there waiting for you. And if you've never before made a decision to follow Jesus, right now I believe it to be true. He's tugging on your heartstrings. And he's saying, I'm with you, I'm for you, I love you. If you want to give your life to Jesus this morning, maybe it's for the first time ever. Maybe it's a recommitment. Maybe you've fallen away for a while. But if you want to give your life to Jesus, we want to give you the opportunity to respond. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. Everyone in this room who has made this decision before you, they're praying for you right now. But if you want to give your heart to Jesus, I'm going to count to three. All you got to do is raise your hand. It's super simple. When I count to three, one, two, three, just show me your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, somebody. Let's pray this together. Everyone say, Dear Jesus, I need you. I need you more than ever. I give you my everything. I give you my wins. And I give you my sins. God, make me a new creation. God, I love you so much. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Come on, let's clap our hands. 
Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. We hope that was something you needed to hear. If you've never checked us out in person, we would love to see you. We'd love to meet you. Head over to kingdomchurch.ca. You will find everything you need and so much more. We want you to plan your visit today. Until next time, take care.